You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And here's your host, Aram Layton. So as we've talked about already in this interview, it's the fact that you don't throw as hard as maybe the average major leaguer, and this is a time where there is a massive velocity movement. Despite the fact that you don't throw as hard as some of these other guys, what do you think it is that makes you so effective as now a guy that's thrown two no-hitters, that's been just a staple in rotations for so many seasons now? As a pitcher that doesn't throw that upper 90s fastball that's so coveted from big league teams and pitchers, what is it about your game and what you do on the mound that really allows you to miss so many bats and just be so consistent for the last handful of years? Uh, You know, and I've talked to a lot of hitters as well, you know, on every team I've been on. And, you know, a lot of people say I hide the ball well or it's tough to pick up the ball when when I'm pitching. And so that helps, you know, just right away and then also just being able to you know throw four pitches for strikes um you know being able to change change speeds not be predictable and you know commanding my fastball I think um you know goes a long way you know a lot of these guys you know especially now it's it's either you know they're swinging for a home run they're they're swinging for power a lot of these guys are it's it's all about power now and and slugging percentage and home runs and So, you know, going into that, you know, knowing that if you can be able to command the fastball, even even good pitches get hit out sometimes. But, you know, just doing it on a consistent basis, you're just going to you're going to be successful and um, not having that mindset where if you you get ahead in the in the counter or you get in trouble, you try to throw harder type of thing. I've seen a lot of guys get hurt because, um, you know, they, they start getting hit and then they, they think about velocity and they're like, well, I got to throw harder to get it by them. And that's not always the case. It's, you know, it's, it's being able to, to command the ball and not, not, you know, throw it right down the middle, you know, being able to hit your corners and, you know, expand the zone when you have to, and, you know, use every quadrant of the, of the, of the zone, you know, going up, going down, you know, in and out, just really keeping the hitter off balance. And, that's kind of been my MO since, you know, I've been pitching. When you finally made that big league debut, I mean, this was a crazy path. Did you ever have a moment where you just step back and you're like, I can't believe I made it here? Because I know, like you just said, you had the confidence, but it's one thing to be confident in your ability. It's another thing to say, okay, I can make it to the big leagues despite breaking four vertebrae in my back, despite being a walk-on at a community college, despite being a 22nd round pick out of a Division II school, like, did you ever take a step back and say, holy crap, how did I get here? Or did you really, really believe that this was always going to happen for you? Uh, you know, you always, like for me, I, I always believed I could pitch there. But it's, it's definitely different when you get there and then you come jogging down to the field with 40-plus thousand people uh, in the stands and – that's kind of what happened where I got called up and I was, I was with some, some dudes, man, like that team, I was, I looked up to, to guys, you know, especially growing up in South Florida, uh, you know, coming up and seeing like Prince Fielder, um, seeing Ryan Braun, you know, then you got pitchers like uh, Giovanni Gallardo, uh, Francisco Rodriguez. Um, I mean, it was, it was mind blowing to me, but you know, at that time, like this is my job now. Like I'm, 
like I'm here, like all that stuff that happened in the past, like nobody cares. It's, it's whether you got to get it done now. And, you know, when I got called up, I was in the bullpen, you know, I was just like, um, just an add on, you know, September call up. Um, they had, they were making a playoff run. So they were trying to clinch the division. And um, I was just sitting in the bullpen, just warming up, you know, going through practice and in the bullpen, I didn't really think I was going to pitch unless it was like a, you know, a blowout game. And the one, um, the game I did get into my debut, I was, I came in against the Rockies. And once I got that call, it was like, it, it's crazy to me. Like it, it was so wild and I'm warming up and it didn't really hit me until I opened the gate and started running onto the field from center field. And the, it, it was crazy. Like you're just running in, you everyone's cheering um and now you got to get big league hitters up or get them out that you've looked up to you know if you've watched on tv for you know years and and uh just idolized and um you know going into that game you know facing carlos gonzalez and um it was just unreal it was unreal to me and I've, i'll never forget it it was i had i had goosebumps and and everything just like <laughs> just like you're watching a damn movie, you know, like, uh, but it was something that uh, I needed to get through, needed to get that first one, you know, under my belt and then go from there. So you get your feet wet with that first outing. You pitch two innings in that first look of the big leagues and that was it. Then the next year you come out and get to pitch almost a full season and you were spectacular. You really hit the ground running. What clicked for you in that year? Was it the fact that you were able to get your feet wet or were you just ready to go? Because when you look at the numbers, we were talking about earlier about playing against and playing with those guys that you idolized. Well, you were carving up some guys that you idolized. Pitching to a 370 RA as a rookie is definitely something that not a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, you know, going into that year, I was, uh, I started in AAA and uh, in 2012, I started in AAA. I got called up after uh, it was like maybe a month or month and a half where uh, I was in I was in Nashville, and you know my we there was an injury. It was um, uh, Marco Gonzalez, or sorry, Marco Marco Estrada. I was thinking about Carlos Gonzalez, but he, I guess he got injured running the bases, and uh, my pitching coach told me, hey, you know you're probably going to get called up here. So, you know, take it easy. I think I had a bullpen or something that day. Um, he was kind of like prepping me because, you know, I could get, I could be one of the guys being called up. And sure enough, I was the next day they, they called me up and um, my first start was I flew out to LA cause I, I had to pitch against the Dodgers. And just, just thinking about that. I remember sitting in the airport. I called one of my best, uh, my best friends, Michael Dobre. He's, He's a catcher. He's always trained me um, since we, you know, since we've been in high school, we train together. We go to the field and all this, and we're going over the hitters. I'm going over the lineup with him, and I'm sitting at the airport because I got to pitch against the Dodgers the next day in L.A. And, you know, we're going over um, Adrian Gonzalez. We're going over Yasiel Puig and, you know, D. Gordon and these guys. And um, it was just – it was just, uh, you know, kind of another game, but, you know, on the, on the biggest stage, you know, there is, and it's not a September call-up moment. It's a, okay, you're starting, you're, you're our guy and we need you to put up quality innings. So um, 
I ended up doing well. I pitched seven innings, gave up one run, and, and got the win uh, in a 2-1 game. So uh, it was definitely a special moment for me and uh, for everybody and for that for that matter, all my friends and family. I mean, everybody was watching. Big, big part of my career. Well, you mentioned the Dodgers in their stacked lineup. Fast forward to 2015, that stacked Dodgers lineup, you actually no-hit. And that was your first of two no-hitters, which both are pretty crazy no-hitters. Of course, the first one is always going to be probably the more wild one, right? And can you take us through that experience? When did it start to set in that, wow, I'm throwing a no-hitter? And how did you manage those emotions as it got deeper into the ball game? Yeah, it just, it just goes to, you know, every start I have, you know, just the preparation, just getting ready for the game, just going through my routine, getting out there and, um, you know, going against a stacked lineup. But, you know, there's a lot of stacked lineups in the big league. So um, not that that was any, you know, more motivation. But, um, you know, going into that game, it just felt like any other. I just got traded. Uh, I made three starts in – or it was like – I think it was my third start or my fourth start in Houston. And I wanted to put on a good show for that, for that team since they just traded for me. And – you know, going out there and, you know, just getting out after out and, you know, getting deeper into the game and seeing that there's no hits on the board and um, in a close game, I think it was, it was one nothing for the longest time. And, you know, and just not to give up any, any runs at that point was, was huge for the team. And uh, I get to about, I would say, I would say after the seventh, I would say in the seventh, because I, I was, through six against the Reds when I was in Milwaukee uh, with a no-hitter, and I gave up my first hit in the seventh. So I think getting past that milestone of like, okay, I'm in the seventh, I just got past that, and coming in, I was probably at 100 and something pitches already. And, you know, at that point, I would have been already taken out if it wasn't for no hits. So um, it was – I just, you know, stayed within myself. I was trying to, you know – keep telling, you know, AJ Hinch at the time was, you know, kind of asking me about my health and trying to figure out, you know, what, what the situation was. But, you know, in that moment for me, like, I'm good. It doesn't matter. Like, I'm going to go back out there. Like I'm pretty much numb at this point. So um, it doesn't really matter what's going on. As long as there's no hits out there, I got to keep going. So, um, you know, getting to the eighth and then the ninth inning uh, facing the top of their lineup again and, you know, getting to that last hitter was uh, Justin Turner and being a contact guy, being a guy that's, you know, in the middle of their order. Uh, I just needed to finish that that last out. And I, I probably blacked out at that moment. Honestly, I don't remember too much. I just knew I was I threw every – I gave everything I had. I threw um, all fastballs to him the last at bat. I think I probably threw him off since, you know, I probably threw him, threw him a bunch of crap the – the uh, at bats before so probably caught him off balance that I threw all fastballs and then uh, struck him out the last one and I just went nuts like I didn't really know how to handle myself at that point well numb is the key word there because you threw over 130 pitches and I would assume you had to be feeling that a little bit but I also assume you were running on adrenaline to be able to throw that many pitches and still be effective at the end there. Were you laboring towards the end of that no-hitter, or were you just riding that adrenaline, and did it hit you like a ton of bricks the next day? Oh, yeah. I, You know, going up to that point, I probably most pitches I've ever thrown was probably around 100, you know, and 
and that's usually the the mark in you know major league baseball and um so to throw the extra 30 some pitches uh definitely weighs on you but you know i would have you know i'd do it again and in, in, in a second so it's it's not about you know feeling pain or anything because you, you're not feeling that like you said you have so much adrenaline you have so much like drive and you know just you, you want to get it done so bad that it, it doesn't really matter at that point and I actually had a couple extra days after that because we had they threw in an extra starter plus we had an off day so it definitely helped me out because the next couple days I was hanging and I don't even think I picked up the ball for two days so um just to give my myself extra rest and um gee, it, it was it was wild man I I but like I said I, I'd do it again it doesn't matter I, I'll throw 150 pitches if I have to well, you did do it again in 2019, and you threw more pitches. You threw 134. You're pretty close to that 150 number in terms of pitches. And this one with the athletics in 2019 seemed a little bit more suspenseful. Not that the defense wasn't great in the Astros no-hitter. Of course, you're going to have to have good defense in any no-hitter. But your team in that second one, that athletics team, was going all out on defense, and it was fun to watch. First, you had the pro-far catch on a little Texas leaguer in shallow right field. And then not too long after that, actually the very next batter, Joey Votto hits a bomb to center field, and Ramon Laureano robs a home run. So back-to-back balls that... The first one wasn't hit too hard, but two that could have potentially been hits, definitely Votto's, and you get out of those two at-bats without allowing a hit... First of all, what was it like having that defense making plays like that behind you? And second, when you had those two plays made, at that point were you like, those were my two mulligans, they're not going to get another chance now? Yeah, of course. You you get help like that, and there's there's no other option but to finish it out. Um, you know, those those guys, you know, behind me did everything they could to, to secure that no-hitter for me. Um, I mean, definitely my catcher, you know, at the time, Josh Fagley, um, you know, doing everything he can behind the plate to, to get it done. And, uh, you want, you know, when you see that, it, it gives you an extra boost. You know, you, you see guys, you know, laying out for you and climbing walls and bringing balls back. And you're just like, it, you have to get it done at that point. It's, um, you know, it's a storybook inning to, to have those plays and, you know, and if I do get it done, those plays are glorified even more. So it makes those guys look even better, which, um, those guys are great. You know, I, the one with Profar, um, it was kind of a, you know, kind of a weird, you know, off the off the end of the bat hit where it's going in short right field. And he lays out in, in kind of a weird spot where um, probably with some weird spin on that ball, um, you know, laying out and catching that ball. And then the, literally the next pitch was first pitch curveball to uh, Joey Votto. And, I mean, he crushes this ball to center field. And – you know, he had to be sitting on that. He, he was sitting on that pitch the whole way. He knew it was coming and literally crushed his ball. And I, I saw, I said, no shot, no shot. This ball's like staying in here. And there goes Loriano climbing the wall. Um, his gloves probably a couple feet above the, <laughs> above the wall and brings it back. And he made it look pretty routine. It was, it was, it was one of the sickest catches I've ever had behind me. So, um, you know, hats off to them and, you know, and then just getting through that the last couple couple innings and, and getting it done, just so relieved after that. And a funny fact that listeners might not know is that in the first no-hitter, you 
actually beat Brett Anderson on the mound, who was pitching for the Dodgers. And then in this second no-hitter, you had Brett Anderson on your team. So that's two very interesting situations where Brett Anderson was a part of it. Have you had any fun with him about that? Yeah, uh, I, honestly, I didn't even know until he brought it up and said that. Um, but what, I, I forgot when he brought it up, but he just said that you know it was it was a lot better to be on on this side of the no hitter. And then I I went I went back to look, and it was Brett. I was wondering why that game went by so quick because that guy just grabs the ball and throws it. Um, and he worked so worked so quick. I remember being out of breath in between innings. Uh, having to go back on the field because you know he gets he gets out so quick and um, that that was definitely a cool little cool little stat right there um, being able to you know talk about that with him um, but yeah I mean very very historic for me and um, you know I can't thank you know my teammates enough for for making plays behind me and you know supporting me and just being they were probably more excited than I was, to be honest. Uh, you know, I did it, and it was it was kind of relieving for me, and just you know to to keep pitching. You know, when we're in a playoff race, too. I mean, that's another big thing that I, you know, kind of pride myself on is that you know being on a winning team, and I want to pitch well for them. And you know, no matter what the you know what goes on in the game, I just want to win. And you know, to, to do that and make it easier on our bullpen. Um, there's so many factors. When, you know, when you uh, pitch games like that. Only 27 pitchers in the live ball era have thrown multiple no-hitters, and you are one of them. How important was it for you to get that second one and kind of prove that it wasn't a fluke? And how cool is it to be just in that regard in such a special club of only 27 pitchers with the thousands and thousands that have thrown a pitch in the major leagues? Yeah, to, you know, growing up as a, as a kid and watching baseball every night and idolizing guys, um, you know, watch the Braves growing up uh, just because the Marlins weren't out until, you know, later on, you know, watching Smoltz, Glavin, Maddox, you know, guys like that, you know, go out there and battle every day and um, just to see the work they put in and, you know, being so consistent. And, you know, that's, that's what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to be, I want to be playing in the big leagues and, and play like those guys. And, uh, and now to do it on, on this level and, it's, it's, you know, my dream come true. And, you know, I, I want to keep playing for as many years as I can. And um, it's, it's really, it's really remarkable when I look back and uh, cause you know, everyone has a story. Like I'm not going to say, sit here and say, you know, I'm the only one that has a crazy story, but um, you know, but I know deep down in my heart, my friends and my family know what I went through and you know, what, you know, came about it just to stay with that and, and just never give up. And, you know, everyone, you know, tells you that as a kid, Oh, never give up. You know, it sounds so cliche and, you know, but really that's literally what I did. You know, I, I was always a guy that wasn't the most talented, didn't throw the hardest, but, you know, I did get out and I, I never said to myself, you know, I'm done with baseball because I'm not good. So I think that just kept me, kept me driving. Like I just kept, playing until someone pulls me off the field and you know it never happened so um you know now I'm in this in this situation now with um you know being with two no hitters having you know seven and a half years of big league time and um you know being a quality starting pitcher in the big leagues 
Well, you lead me right into the next question, which is going to have to be about free agency. You're due to be a free agent. You just finished up with the athletics. This is definitely not the most desirable year to be a free agent for obvious reasons. We've seen some very club-friendly options on players declined because of financial reasons, I presume. And this is definitely going to be a weird and slow-moving free agency. Is that something that's concerning for you? And how do you approach that? Because free agency in general is is pretty uncertain by nature and it's even more so in a year like this and in a time like this yeah it's definitely weird um with everything going on in, in this past you know baseball season uh everyone knew you know this offseason was going to be a little bit a little bit different uh but for me you know i just gotta you know stick to what i do you know i'm gonna play and keep training keep keep trying to get better keep throwing uh, and be ready for, you know, whichever team wants to, you know, invest in me. And, you know, I feel like I put up a good track record to, uh, you know, any team that, that does sign me, um, you know, they're going to have, you know, a quality starting pitcher. So I'm really not worried about that. I, I don't want to, you know, worry myself too much because, you know, whatever happens, happens. And, um, you know, all you can do is, you know, put up the numbers and let them speak for itself. And, you know, I feel like that's what I've done. Uh, especially being on a, a a good team like Oakland was the past you know three years I was there, and like I said, just just let things fall into place. Um, you know, there's so many so many great free agents this year. Uh, it's definitely tough, but I feel like I've I pitched well enough to give myself a great opportunity for whatever the next uh, you know step in my career is. And um, you know, I'm excited for whatever happens. Really, um, knowing me as a knowing myself as a baseball player and as a person, um, I love the opportunity to play. I love the opportunity to pitch um, for a winning, for a winning team and, 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 you know, give that team a chance to, to make the playoffs and, and go beyond. And as we wrap up, I have to get a little bit controversial with you. The topic of the DH has been heavily debated right now in baseball because We saw the Universal DH this year in this abbreviated season. There's been some discussion both ways about how it's going to move forward and what the league is going to do. The National League, you have pitched in the National League for quite some years. You've gotten your ABs in the NL. You've also pitched in the AL. What are your thoughts on the the DH and where do you stand on that debate? Uh, Well, there's definitely some pitchers that can hit and they kind of... um you know, make a lot of us look bad. And I'll say firsthand that I cannot hit. Um, I can definitely bunt. I'll, I'll say that. Um, but the hitting, the hitting aspect of it, definitely tough. Uh, you know, it's tough for, you know, big league hitters to hit. And for me to go up there, it's just, it just doesn't look good. It's almost a bad look for baseball when I'm up there swinging the like I do. So uh, I think the DH, you know, league wide, I think would be better for the game. It gives more at, actually opens up more jobs for for more guys for more hitters um you know it's just a better overall game i think you know it's america's pastime to have you know the pitcher hit and you know move guys over and play the small ball but i think we're in an era now where uh people would rather see you know you know a guy like jd martinez in the dh spot hitting rather than you know mike fires so um i think it would just be better for the game and uh we'll see what happens but like I said, uh, my hitting days are over. It, they ended in high school, and it's tough watching my bats when when I look back. 
081 uh, career batting average, but 18 <laughs> sacrifice hits. So, so you do have the sacks there. I, I would take JD in the batter's box, I think, but you might have him on the sacrifices. I'd have to go do some digging. But yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I think we, we need to have the DH in both ways. But at the same time, it does make things a little bit harder for you on the mound, right? Does that change anything, right? When you're pitching, let's say the eight hitters coming up, you know the, that the pitcher's on deck. Are you going to pitch the eight hitter a little bit differently if you have an open base, you got a lead? Like, does that change things? How much different do you pitch with the DH in the lineup versus having a pitcher in the nine spot? Yeah, I mean, 100%. Uh, you, have a, you have a pitcher in the nine hole. Um, you know, you, you literally go through the lineup. You have to navigate through that lineup where, um, you know, in the American League, you still navigate your way, but you choose your guys, but you can't you can't get to the eighth hit, hitter and throw him a bunch of junk just because you know, you know, the pitcher's coming up. And, you know, some pitchers um, have made it tougher on guys, obviously, but I'd rather pitch to a, a pitcher any day. And, um, but, yeah, there's definitely a, a game within the game, especially in the National League, um, you know, navigating through lineups and, and choosing your spots. And, um, you know, it is what it is, but, you know, going into the American League, I just think it's a, you know, I think it's a better game, and I think baseball realizes that, you know, having the DH is, is more exciting than having the pitcher hit. And I think it showed this past year um, during the COVID baseball season. Well, Mike, thank you for taking the time to talk to me and tell your amazing story and path to the big leagues. I really appreciate you taking the time, and it was a ton of fun to be able to pick your brain on some of those amazing moments and that incredible journey that you had to where you are today. I wish you nothing but the best through free agency, even though it's going to be a weird off season. I know that we'll see you pitching somewhere. I know there's a lot of demand for pitching no matter what, and especially for a veteran like yourself. So I'm excited to see where you end up, and I'm looking forward to watching you potentially throw no-hitter number three. That's a pretty elite group. Only six have done that in the big. So Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. Best of luck this offseason and heading into next season. All right, Aram. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. That was Oakland Athletics pitcher, now free agent, Mike Fires. Hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. He is a very honest guy and a really special story to get to where he is. I'm sure many of you came out of this interview a Mike Fires fan that might not have been before. I know I did, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do this upcoming season. Speaking of looking forward, some exciting interviews on the way, so keep an eye out for that on Twitter, at ArmLeighton8, where I will announce you know whatever upcoming interviews I have, or at LO underscore MLB Prospects, some fun interviews to look out for on the way that I know you will enjoy. As always, thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking prospects with you tomorrow.